I think the manner in which people give directions depends upon where you grew up. Now, here in Milwaukee, Milwaukee County in general, wonderfully Germanic. I mean, we have a perfect grid system. You, you have the street, the numbered streets, and that kind of gets your east-west address, or you have kind of a predictable way to get as you, the numbers increase going north. Uh, when I lived in Washington, D.C., very much the same thing. You had the lettered streets, they were the east-west ones. They just, it was A, B, C, D, E, F, and then the numbered streets working out from North Capitol. So you could kind of figure out where you are. Some places, you know, if you're out in the rural areas and you find a rural route, they're just kind of one-mile boxes. But growing up or spending a lot of time in my life in northern Waukesha County, the area they call Lake Country, uh, the area where Father Jordan grew up, the lakes and the streams and the ponds, they just, there are very few straight streets. Now they've tried to compensate for this. Jordan, uh, turn on your microphone. What, what is the first part of your address? 326 North 9463. So West 326 North 9463, something like Do you want to give your whole address if you want Christmas cards to come? <laughs> They, but anybody who figures it out or spends some time with it, they're really just map coordinates. That west number would be, you know, if they still numbered the streets, it would be three, 346th Street. And the north is like north, you know, what we are north, 5681 North Santa Monica. It's, you could find it on a map that way, very Germanic. But the streets themselves, you know, as they wind around the lakes and, and whatnot and the, the terrain are very hard to follow. You have people that try to give directions in that way, and they'll do things. I remember asking people how to get to their house out in you know, Wales or in Heartland. Well, turn at the tree. <laughs> what tree? The big one. Oh, that helps, you know. Because you just kind of lose track in your own life, you know, how many streets, how many turns you, you have to wait for living in the city of Waukesha. Now, that's a whole other thing altogether. Any of you that have been to the city downtown Waukesha, I give you credit that you're back here now and we're able to get out. Because it is a, it's a round city, you know, at the bend of a river. So there, there, I still to this day could not explain to someone how I would get from the rectory at Catholic Memorial, say, to the hospital. I would just say, I know how to do it. I can't explain it. I can just get there. The, the landmarks and things just become part of the background. How we find our way is kind of innate to us, or it becomes innate if, you know, we don't pay attention. And nowadays, it's even tougher because, you know, you just can put it in your phone or in your car, GPS. But what happens when you don't have coverage? What happens when the route is closed for construction and it's not something on a main thoroughfare that's accounted for? You know, you just kind of, you're lost. You're lost, and you have to figure out something else. In the gospel today, this foreshadowing of the coming of the Lord, the second coming, I guess, but the coming of the Lord is put in this context. The sun and the moon will, will shake, essentially. The stars of heaven. Now, think of what when, you know, two millennia ago, when people heard those words, the, that reflection from Luke, they were giving some sort of deeper meaning to it, or other meaning as well. The sun and the moon, I mean, the sun taught you east and west. The sun taught you how to kind of figure out time as shadows were cast, sundials. 
These were the image of how you found direction. And the stars, you, everybody, you know, everybody who traveled any little bit learned the North Star. It was a way to kind of navigate yourself through the night. But then there was another level of meaning. The sun and the moon would immediately remind a first century uh, person any, anywhere in the Roman and the Greek influences of the empire, it would remind them of the Roman and Greek gods, the gods of nature, the god of you know, the sun and the god of the moon. And then the stars, reading the stars would remind them of the astrologers. Now they'll become important to us in a few weeks, but the astrology was that kind of superstitious way of reading, reading the signs of the times and trying to, to determine what it is and what to do. And if these are the guideposts, if these are the ways we, we figure out our directions in life, Jesus is making the warning or the, the coming of Jesus warns us, those are going to be up, those are going to be uprooted. There will be an upheaval. Even more significantly, there would be those times when people trusted, as the scripture says, in the nations of the world. And even the nations of the world would tremble. When we put our trust, we get our direction from things that are secular, that are worldly, that may be stable and firm, may be good, but they are not necessarily putting our trust in Christ or his spirit or his father. You see, each one of these levels, layers that we're being warned about are things that we may not think they're at the forefront of our mind, but there's probably some aspect that's worth a critical review. How do we have, you know, the, the, other, the other gods of, of our time and our place before us? How do we have the superstitions and, and the, the trust in these little informal things? And how do we place our trust or take our direction from, from secular realities rather than our faith? Advent, Advent is a time not completely unlike Lent, where there needs to be internal reflection, but different from Lent, to the extent that Lent is preparing for the reparation, the, the, the expiation of sin that is necessary through Christ's death and resurrection, whereas Advent is a preparation, a hopeful preparation, for how we will receive God into our lives, Christ into our lives. And it's really a two-step process. It's a two-step process by understanding that we must remove from our own path the obstacles. We must remove from our way the things that are going to be shaken up anyways. And either we can prepare and plan or we can be lost. We need to remove the things that are the gods of the Romans and the gods of the Greeks, those false gods. We need to remove the superstitions, the astrology, Come on, how many of you actually read your, your horoscope? Just to check every once in a while. We need to remove those, the superstitions of our lives that, that prevent us from really seeing and encountering. We need to remove some of the things of the secular world that overwhelm and take precedence over faith-filled direction, faith-filled guidance. Oh, it's fine to know and need the, the rules and laws of society. It's fine to be proud to be an American citizen. But if that overwhelms the willingness and the openness to Christ, then there's a problem. And so it's removing the roadblocks, the hindrances that prevent us from seeing and learning and making our way. And then being open. 
being open to receive, open to receive what the Lord asks of us, what the Lord gives us as guidance and direction. Now, it's interesting, Paul, in his letter to the Thessalonians, he gives us this wonderful insight. Now, I don't know whether Paul fully intended, I don't know how much Paul and John uh, the gospel writer John would coordinate and understood each other. They, they have very different theological views on worldview, really. But when Paul, in his letter to the Thessalonians, he finishes with that great line when he's challenging them to be ready and to act as if they're ready to know what they need to do when the second coming of the Lord occurs. And he finishes with this notion, you already know. You already know how to act. You already know where to look. You already know how to get the directions you need. The surprise of the second coming, the surprise of the coming of the Lord may shake the sun and the moon and move the stars, the constellations of the stars, and may even send into upheaval the nations of the earth. But you know, this, the reason it compares to John is because John is the, the opening of the great gospel of John. In the beginning there was the Word, and before all else was the Word, and the Word was made flesh. So we know that it's somehow, we call it in, you know, intellectual terms, philosophical, natural theology or natural philosophy. We know by a call from God that we want to receive the Lord. We know from an innate quality of maybe right and wrong and of good and evil. We know. We even know because we're going to celebrate Advent for, well, this will be my 52nd one. I don't know about all of you. We know what we're supposed to be looking for. So we also probably have a pretty good head start on the reflection of what we need to set aside, the roadblocks we need to set aside, the hindrances we need to set aside. It's tough. So much is devoted to the preparation in, in the outward sense. So much is devoted to the, the gifts and the celebrations, and those are wonderful. But take time, take opportunity to realize that even in our own lives, you're here and that's wonderful. You're 99.9% .9 of the way there in so many aspects. But each one of us has that sun or moon that needs to be cast aside as a false god, that superstition or that trust in the worldly that needs to be set aside. And do so, so that on the Feast of the Nativity, on Christmas Day, we can receive, set aside the obstacles and blockades and and hindrances and be open to the Lord. And in that way, no matter what happens to the other guideposts or things that give us direction, we can and will find our way. The darkness will become light. The path will be made clear and straight for us. This day as you begin Advent, seriously commit yourself to reflecting on what needs to be set aside and how to be open and how to find your faith-filled, your Christian, your Christ-like direction in life. Blessings to all of you.